everybody around you says, oh, well, he must be a super expert for, for them to search high and low for the you know, most credible voice on financial literacy and for them to pick Cody. It presumes that you're honorable, you're intelligent, uh, you're a good guy, you have a great company because it's presumed that the media doesn't put fly-by-nights on, on the air. And what many people don't know is sometimes there's a PR agency behind that. So when you're watching Good Morning America or Fox and Friends and you see that legal expert sitting up there on the anchor desk, sometimes there's a PR firm like the one I have who gets that media placement. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's the value of having a PR firm. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder, why didn't they teach me in school? anything about how to manage money. I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome to Money Talkers with Cody Laughlin. I have a guest today that has been uh, in the news business for 25 years, um, runs a major PR firm, um, has uh, has raised a few kids as well, uh, been featured on things such as uh, CNN, Fox News, Discovery Channel, Good Morning America, the CBS Early Show, all kinds of them. I mean, it's a laundry list of how long it is, um, but also uh, helps other people build their businesses and expand their businesses by showing them how it works behind the scenes and how, how they can get into, um, you know, being on TV and, and uh, exposing their business out and out to the world. And so I want to welcome uh, Jeff Curley to the show. Cody, thank you. And, and thanks for what you're doing to promote financial literacy across the globe. It's, it's really inspiring. Well, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I think we've all got to do our own little part and we got to try to make the world a little bit better. And uh, that's my, that's, that, this is my, my path and my avenue. So um, I guess, Jeff, let's, uh, let's dive right in. And um, so I like to kind of come out of the gate with a good question just to see if we can spark some things. And so what I'd like to know is, um, you know, what is the main benefit of using someone like a PR firm to be interviewed for the news? So it's a brand building and credibility building for the most part. Uh, when you see an expert being interviewed on the news, there is a credibility that's transferred to that expert. So Cody, I know you've done a lot of radio and television interviews. When you get interviewed, um, everybody around you says, oh, well, he must be a super expert for, for them to search high and low for the you know, most credible voice on financial literacy and for them to pick Cody. It, presumes that you're honorable, you're intelligent, uh, you're a good guy, you have a great company, because it's presumed that the media doesn't put fly-by-nights on, on the air. And what many people don't know is sometimes there's a PR agency behind that. So when you're watching Good Morning America or Fox and Friends and you see that legal expert sitting up there on the anchor desk, sometimes there's a PR firm like the one I have 
who gets that media placement. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's the value of having a PR firm. So when they, uh, when you have that kind of, I guess, credibility to your name, you add that into the laundry list of, well, you know, Cody Lawson has been on Fox news now. Right. And then that you, you're using that credibility to further the business, not just from the interview, but it's a, it's a tag that you don't have taken off of you ever. Is that kind of the. Absolutely. And so I wrote a book uh, in 2002 and there's a whole chapter in the book called becoming the expert. Uh, the book is called free publicity. A TV reporter shares the secrets for getting covered on the news. And in that uh, chapter on becoming the expert, I explain that there's something of a circular logic when it comes to being an expert. Why is he or she an expert? Because they're on the news. Why are they on the news? Because they're an expert. So essentially all I have to do is get the ball rolling and get on the news once and you can call yourself an, an expert. And I know you're writing a book. Uh, you know, writing a book is another way to convey your expertise. We uh, highly encourage that of our clients. Uh, public speaking is another way to convey your expertise. Uh, but essentially, you know, you got to toot your own horn these days. The world is a very noisy place. There's a lot of people uh, clamoring for attention. So in, in, instead of just tooting your own horn, we believe you got to get an orchestra together <laughs> and everyone's <laughs> got to be playing, uh, you know, a symphony for you in order to be heard these days. I like that. They, I wonder now if you still, once you break through and you've been interviewed and you've been uh, the expert on a show, is it a lot easier to further that and to expand? Like if you've been an expert on one, you know, news outlet, I can, is it a lot easier to open the door to the other news outlets? It absolutely is. And in fact, what we encourage uh, people to do is take the clip that you get on the news, uh, put it on your website on a media page. Uh, my company will create those for our clients because only a, a certain number of people are going to see you uh, the first time, but an infinite number of people can see you on the website forever and ever and ever. In fact, we are encouraging our clients to put a, um, a little uh, outbound signature that says, uh, you know, check out Cody's media page or something like that. So that passively as you're emailing people throughout the day, uh, you know, 50 emails a day, uh, five people click on it a day, uh, they're suddenly realizing, wow, I didn't realize Cody was such a big deal. So in answer to your question, once you get on the news once, uh, having that clip to send to another media outlet uh, further enhances your ability to get booked because it's just presumed, okay, well, Cody's good. I've seen him on these different uh, TV networks. Uh, I don't need to audition him. Clearly, he's been to this dance before. Uh, I should just go ahead and book him. So the, um, I guess the question comes to mind too is when they do the interviews, are they generally um, scripted? Like do you have questions ahead of time or you prepared or is it on the fly and then they hope you sink or swim? What, what's the background behind that? That's a great question. And I think a lot of people watch the news and they presume that the questions are, are scripted out. 99.9% .9 of the time, everybody's just winging it. And so one of the things that we're doing with our clients- That's life, right? <laughs> that's what we're all doing. <laughs> we're giving them media training and we're saying to the, the clients as, the, as we're onboarding them, um, just uh, the, the advice I give Cody to our clients uh, is do the interview as if you had a couple of glasses of wine. Not five glasses of wine, but a couple of glasses of wine. Because if you had a couple of glasses of wine in you, you're unfiltered, you're just letting it fly. And so the secret to being a great guest uh, is just to um, be unfiltered, uh, not reckless, but 
don't be too guarded when it comes to doing an interview. If you're too guarded, or even if, let's suppose you got invited on Good Morning America and you wrote back, what are the questions you're gonna be asking? It conveys an insecurity, it conveys a, I'm a rookie, uh, because for the most part, uh, journalists don't like to give you the questions. They don't know the questions. They'll, they'll make up the questions as they go. That's great. I think uh, um, I think you're right on about that because if you're going to present yourself as an expert in a topic, you should be able to talk about it, no matter yeah. what the handle comes from. Um, you know, me personally, I think that podcasting and interviewing and um, you know coming up with questions on my own as I go, and I don't script any of it. It helps to be uh, fluid when you have people, other people asking about your business, right? And so I think it's a great, I think it's a great medium for myself to be able to have these conversations with, you know, amazing people like yourself that I get to kind of commandeer for an hour and pull you aside. And then I get to pick your brain about all this awesome stuff you guys do. And so, uh, I really enjoy it. Um, if, if I may, Cody, I want to give you an example, a real life example of a client that I worked with and the process that I used to get him to become a media darling. So I'll give you a little backstory. His name is Clint David. He's a civil attorney here in Dallas. He had never been on the news before. He came to me in year one when I'm working out of my house calling myself a PR firm. And he said, I just want a higher profile. It, it, it bothers me when I turn on the news and I see one of my competitors talking about something that I could talk about. So uh, he hired me for a full year to go out there and be kind of a bird dog for him. I'm watching the news, I'm listening to radio news in my car, I'm looking for headlines where I could tie him into the story of the day. And so uh, Holden, my producer, is gonna roll just a little clip and then, then I'll tell you how we did that for Yeah, that'd be great. David, managing partner for David Goodman and Nadal. But Dallas attorney Clint David says there's nothing to stop you from trying. Trial watcher attorney Clint David says defense attorneys did show some of the government's case. Clint David has been watching the trial. Attorney Clint David says given the severe injuries and the collapse, it's likely legal questions will be raised about whether the team did enough. To That's very, okay. very important. Go ahead, uh, bring the audio down, Holden, and just let it continue to play. So, Cody, what I was doing all that first year that I, I worked for Clint was just being his, uh, his bird dog. He, you know, he didn't have time to consume all those newspapers and, and watch all that television. And I had a chance to just uh, look for opportunities. And after about two months of placing him in front of the media, the media started calling him direct and uh, not, not even going through me. And so at the end of the first year, he calls me up and he says, Jeff, I've got some good news and some bad news. I said, give me the good news first. He says, you got me 500 media placements in the first year. <laughs> it could have been 700, but I had a firm to run. And I said, then what's the bad news? He says, dude, I don't need you anymore. They call me direct. And instead of feeling bad about that, I took that as the ultimate compliment. I mean, if a, if a PR firm's really doing their job, they're working themselves out of a job. And that became my uh, standard operating procedure for the rest of the, of the company um, throughout the last 11 years, which is essentially spoil the client, rain the PR down on the client. It's good business sense. It, Cody, if you and I end up working together um, and, and I blow you up and every, Every day you're on the news and it's on your social media page. 
I know you hang around a cool crowd pretty soon. All of your <laughs> friends are saying, Cody, what the heck, man? Every time I turn around, you're on the news. How, how's that happening? And you would end up saying, you need to talk to my PR guy. So it's, it's, a, it's a, by over-delivering, uh, we end up continuing to grow this company through referrals. That's fantastic. The um, I've got a kind of another question. The, the news is so. Is there positioning that it's uh, they're looking for experts and their return to you is um, is exposure and it's advertising, basically free advertising for yourself, and then the tagline of being you know a expert contributor to X Y Z news placement. Um, but they're not paying for people to come to do this stuff, right? No, they don't. Not until you get up to the very, very top of the networks. Like, for instance, I know that all, all of the major networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, MSNBC, they have a, uh, a travel um, and airline expert. And that expert is being paid. They're being paid to be available. Essentially, um, you know, there's an airplane crash in America, and they need that expert on the set. They have to pay that expert in order to drop what he or she's doing and race to the ABC studios to be on the air. But other than those, those folks at the very, very top, it's a currency exchange. Uh, you're exchanging your time and expertise and, and information in exchange for publicity, for free publicity. And all the marketing books say the same thing, that news is seven times more believable than advertising. They've done countless studies on this. They will show a focus group an ad for Alexis, and then they'll show the focus group a, a critic's review of that same Lexus. And people always weight the critic's review seven times more believable than the ad. So there, is, there, there are formulas to why the news um, is so uh, credible. So um, in tying this kind of in um, with the, with, you know, on money talkers and those kind of things. And so let's say we have some, some kids that um, want to use this to springboard, to, to further their careers, to do those kinds of things. Like where would you start if you were, uh, you know, if you had a, a 14, 15, 16 year old getting ready to go out in the world and uh, they want to be an entrepreneur and how would you start with a PR kind of plan for them? So a friend of mine had a, a little, uh, nonprofit that she started called Lemons to Aid. And uh, it, it was essentially a, a lemonade stand that her kids ran. And uh, all the proceeds would go towards whatever the mission was. And I first met her, I was out giving speeches, you know, all over the Dallas Fort Worth area. And she showed up early and I sat down and said, what are you here for? She says, oh, uh, I'm helping my kids nonprofit. I was like, tell me about your kids nonprofit. He said, she said, it's a lemonade stand and, and all of the money we, we raise um, goes towards, uh, you know, whatever um, issue we're facing. And this was right after Katrina and right after uh, oil was coating all of the, the water, you know, the, the, the BP spill. Yeah. The BP blow up in the middle of the Gulf. Yeah. I was in Florida. I was on Florida's West Coast at the time. It was we were kind of watching the news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so um, when she told me that, and and she had showed up before the seminar, and so during the seminar, I called her up and I told this story to the the, the class, and I said uh, she could get on the news tomorrow. In fact, I'm going to make it happen. I know Melissa and I aren't working together, but I'm going to call a TV station and she's going to be on the news tomorrow. 
And I did. I called up one of my friends at NBC5 here in Dallas, and I told them the story. And of course, it was a great story. You know, uh, little kids running a lemonade stand to uh, uh, clean the, the, the pelicans. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it was, awesome. It was, it, was yeah. little, it was a sweet little story. Well, what happened was NBC Dallas did the story, and then, of course, they feed it up to New York, which feeds it out to all 200 NBC stations. And she was... Um, all over the place. And, and then, of course, some TV stations watch each other. So the next thing you know, she was on the CBS Evening News. And that's how quickly these things can, can spread. So I would tell anybody who's watching this who has a kid who's slightly entrepreneurial, this is the time to do it. Because the older the kid gets, the less cute their business. <laughs> so yeah. the younger the better. Yeah. I, I think you ought to start early anyway, because it's just, there's so many lessons in there. Like I've built a, uh, I've built a business plan template for parents to go through with their kids and you can do it. My daughter's eight and yeah. uh, we we've been through it and she loves it, you know, and she likes to, because you have to think about, you know, the different portions of a business and you get to talk about, you know, margins and all this fun stuff that would never be introduced to them. And you might not introduce it to them if you, you know, just think they're not ready for it, you know? And it's yes. like, I think there's a lot of time with, with kids, like we're the ones that put the limitations on them. Yes. Of what they can get done, you know? You know, you just made me think of something else. Uh, you should have my son as one of your guests. So he wrote a book called Kidpreneur, Genius Ways for Kids to Pay Their Own Way Through College. And he wrote it when he was 14. And it was just filled with all of these wonderful stories of kids who were so entrepreneurial that often they were making more money than their principal while they were, they were in high school. In fact, one of the stories I remember from the book, I'll just share it with you, is uh, Michael Dell, the, the computer genius. When yeah. He was uh, a, a youngster when he was a freshman in high school, according to his official bio on Dell.com. Uh, he had a paper route and he's throwing newspapers for a living and then he noticed a pattern because newspaper uh, delivery folks make their money selling new subscriptions. So Michael Dell recognized the pattern that he typically would sell subscriptions to newlyweds and people moving into the, to the neighborhood for the first time. And he thought to himself as a 14 year old boy, there must be a place where they're compiling all this information. So he would bike to the courthouse and he found this office of um, real estate transactions and office of marriage licenses. And so he would take out his little notepad and he would scribble down the names and addresses. And then he'd bike over to those houses and he'd sell them subscriptions. Well, this was so lucrative, pretty soon it didn't make any sense for him to, to bike to the courthouse uh, and sell the subscriptions. He ended up hiring a whole troop of, of kids to, to do this for him. And now fast forward, uh, Michael Dell um, is, you know, uh, worth something like $40 billion. Uh, he's still a salesman. I mean, he's still a very clever salesman. He's just selling computers by the thousands to companies. And so the DNA of that story is Michael Dell was doing what he loved. And so anybody who's watching this who has a kid, I think the best parenting advice you can give to the kid is do what you love and the money will follow. Um, of course, you know, I, you and I both know lawyers who uh, hate the law. We both know doctors who hate medicine. And they got into it for the wrong reason. They got in it to, for the money or because mom and dad said you had to do this. And they never stopped to think, do I really like to do this stuff? Um, I love my job. I know you love your job. I wake up every day and pinch myself and say, I get to do it all, all over again. Um, I have a great life. You do too. And that comes from 
us making a choice. You know, how do I want to spend the rest of my life? We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised this afternoon. That's what it says in the Bible. But that's why it's so critical for young people to become clear, even in high school, what am I called to do? What, why, why am I on the planet? And, and what is it that I can do that doesn't feel like work? What is it that I can do that if they paid me to do it, I would feel like I would, it was criminal for them to pay me to do this uh, because I love it so much. I think one good question to ask about that is, um, you know, what's, what problem can I solve? I love right? that. And, and if you, if you think, cause you know, I, I kind of laugh. I, I was interviewing somebody and I said, you know, they said they hated being asked what they wanted to be when they grew up. And I was like, dude, I didn't even know any jobs. Like, I don't even, I was a kid when I was in high school. I was like, I don't even know what jobs are. You know, I'm like, he goes, yeah, you basically, if it's, if you can't order one of the 10 uniforms off of Amazon, like that's about all the jobs, you know, like nurse, doctor, attorney, cop, firefighter, you know, I was like, yeah, that's a pretty good way to describe that, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, but they're really in the reality of it is, is that there's a job for everything that, about every problem that needs to be solved, mm, mm. you know? And, and, um, what you're doing, it seems like, is you're, um, you're like an, an accelerant to entrepreneurs. And so you're helping businesses. And, and you know, the small businesses are the backbone of the country because they, they, they really do employ uh, the majority of Americans. It's people trying to get out there. And so being able to have exposure to something where you position yourself as an expert, you're revert to, you know, re reverted to as an expert, and being able to... Um, you know, uh, contribute, but also receive a lot of benefit from that just seems like a really beneficial, interesting topic that I don't think many people, it's almost like, you know, it's kind of behind the curtains. Absolutely. And if I can just kind of transition to another way to promote yourself is it's exactly what you're doing right now through podcasting. It's a beautiful way to present yourself as an expert. And so Holden, if you will, just uh, roll the video, no, no audio of our, our studios. So what I decided to do, Cody, uh, about two years ago, is I got heavy into podcasting. And I, I call it podcasting, but truthfully, these studios are so beautiful, I'm now calling them TV shows. Um, this anchor desk that I'm sitting on right now cost me $8,000. And the only reason I tell you that is because in order to see something this nice, you have to go to the commercial TV stations. Uh, the same people that made that, the, the, you know, their desks made mine. Uh, we, that audience, that studio audience uh, shot that you just saw there, that's a room that we call Oprah. It's right next door. It, that's Ted Nugent. And Ted Nugent and his wife are now clients of ours. They're doing their own show. It's a new day. You don't have to go to Hollywood and beg for somebody to make you Oprah. If you have a, a good production company that you can work with, now thanks to Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn Live, you can reach as many people as you want to. And you and I both know teenage girls that have, you know, 300,000 people following them on Facebook and all they're doing is showing you how to do makeup tips on their webcam. Well, the most watched newscast in Dallas-Fort Worth only reaches 150,000. So how is it that a teenage girl at home with a webcam can reach more than the top rated newscast in, America, in, in, in Dallas? I think the game has changed and commercial television doesn't even know it yet. And that's where, that's where we are right now. I, I liken it to the difference between Blockbuster and Netflix. Yes. Uh, Netflix came along, Blockbuster was terribly arrogant. And they said, no, people will always want to drive through a rainstorm to go to the video store and check it out <laughs> and then get charged late. Along came Netflix. It was just a little teeny gnat 
They could have bought Netflix and put them out of business or absorbed the technology, but they were incredibly arrogant. And now there is no blockbuster uh, and Netflix is one of the biggest companies on the planet. So what I'm saying to our clients is, yes, we can get you on CNN. Yes, we can get you on Fox News. But what if we made you Fox News? Yeah. What if we gave you your own show, allowed you to interview your own guests, whether they're here or across the, the, the planet, uh, and, and helped you boost and grow your audience? And so now our broadcast division has gone from five shows two years ago to 82 unique shows a month. Those aren't episodes. Those are unique shows, different clients with, with ideas for how they want to promote their brand. And so I would encourage everybody on this, uh, this call to consider having their own show, consider having their own podcast. You don't have to do it with our studios, but it should look professional. Uh, I, I love what you're doing, Cody, because you're, you, you know, you, you're, you're well lit. The audio's great. Uh, you've got a good production value. It's a, it's a nice presentation. But we've both been on shows before where the person is backlit. There's a, there's a big window. You can barely see them. The audio's crackling. Um, that doesn't help your brand. It makes it look homemade. And yeah, so I've been, I, one time they were interviewed for, they were walking with the cell phone on a Zoom app. And I'm like, man, I can't hear, I can't even hear a word you're saying. Like, I know he's going to want to hear this. It's going to kill her ears, you know? <laughs> but um, I, I couldn't agree with you more that right now um, you don't have the excuse to go out and not build an audience. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, the mediums are so the barrier to entry is so low that it's never been this low. And so if you want to pick a niche and the beautiful thing is with social media, there's a lot of problems with it, obviously, but there's a lot of good that can come with it too. And so if you want to build a Facebook group around what your niche is and what your interests are, you can, and you can find other people. And once you build an audience, you can sell into that audience, no problem, because they are connected to you. You can yeah. build that brand, and it's a beautiful thing. I think you're a genius, Cody. I love everything about the, the branding that you're doing for yourself. You're positioning yourself as a thought leader, and you, and you are. Um, so, yeah, I applaud you. Well, I just, uh, I want... I want people to realize that it, when, you know, when we were little and they said, Oh, everything's possible, you know, can dream whatever you can be, whatever you want to be. And it was like, uh, you know, as a kid, I kind of took it in one ear and out the other, you know, a little bit. And it was like, I didn't think there weren't possibilities, but I didn't really like re recognize it either. You know, it wasn't something that was like inside of me was like, Oh wow, I can be anything I wanted to be. You know, it's like, all right, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> it was kind of flipped on me as I got through school. It was like, I don't, you know, they had three majors and, college and I don't even know what it was there for in the first place but um, I ended up getting into finance and one of the reasons that I did it because I found out about compound interest and it was you know it's in the story for another day but um, my thought process with money talkers is that and you had kind of alluded to this earlier is you can encourage someone 14 15 16 in that book your son wrote sounds amazing like I'm, I'm gonna look into that um, but if they don't have the constraints of what comes out when you come out of school and then you immediately go into like a debt trap cycle, you know, and you've got, uh, you're just consumer debt all the way through the nose. And then about 25, 26, 28, 30, you decide, okay, I want to go do something. A lot of people think, well, you can't do what your passion was because now I have to do what is not my passion because that pays the bills. Yes. And, and, and my main I guess one of the goals I would love to see out of this movement is that we have kids going into changing the world and solving problems and their passions because they're, when they're passionate, it's going to solve bigger problems. It's going to solve better problems. They're going to help more people, but they're going to be able to do that if they've been educated 
in regards to personal finance and entrepreneurship and successful mindsets, and they don't have to retrain themselves later. Absolutely. No, I, I love the gift that you're giving to the planet, and I wish more parents would have this kind of conversation with their kids, because for some reason, uh, money is just something that makes people uncomfortable. They don't talk about it in school. Uh, it's kind of uncomfortable to talk about in social situations. And unfortunately, uh, if, you're not, if you're not talking about it, the child's going to end up making whatever mistake happens. I, I remember in, in college, just a short story, my, my mom and dad never gave me the financial literacy, literacy story. And so when I got to college and I got my first credit card, I was like, wow, a credit card. And I remember Domino's Pizza in uh, Lansing, Michigan had a special. And I think it was really kind of like luring us all in. It was like $2.99 pizzas. I mean, just really $3 pizzas. And so we were ordering them every night. And of course, it's going on my credit card. And then by uh, second semester, I think they jacked it up to $5 pizza. <laughs> but, but then um, because I was paying, paying the minimum on my cards, yeah. uh, those, those pizzas weren't $3 anymore, were they, Cody? They, no. Those pizzas were, were very expensive pizzas by the time I ended up digging out from all of that debt. Well, that's, uh, there's, <laughs> I have an example of this, but they, um, you know, I had a, uh, if you look at it, you're probably for like a $20 pizza. If you just pay the minimum debt, it's like $92. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> 17 years of payments and $92, what you'll pay for that pizza. If you don't, you know, if you don't, you don't realize that and what's coming through. And so, um, well, you know, we joke about pizzas, but you start doing that with cars and everything else. And, you know, it comes along life and shoes and clothes and rent all that fun stuff if you start whipping out those credit cards that debt once you once you once you're stuck i think that's where a lot of people feel the cynicism when they say oh you can be whatever you want to be or chase your passions you know it's like but you really could you really can if you if we start earlier if we just you know if we just assume that our kids need to know this stuff because the test is going to come right they're going to take the test you can either help them study for it or not and i think one of the results that um we see, and I saw this through my life. So in a lot of parents I talked to and a lot of kids and stuff. And so that we want to be able to open up that relationship. It's not necessarily that, you know, you don't need to be a financial expert to talk to your kids about what a bank account is or how a mortgage works. And if you don't know, then you have all the world to your advantages and in, in YouTube and those kinds of things, like find enough information so that you can at least pass it on. You don't need to do hyper advanced things, but if you don't teach your kids about savings accounts or what a 401k is or any of this stuff, like they're not going to come to you later in life when they have big questions, right? Should I take that job in Phoenix, you know, and move across the country or should I buy a house? Should I have a roommate? You know, where do I get car insurance? Like, I remember I was 25 years old. I did and I was 20, sorry, 20. Yeah. Almost 25 years old. My car got wrecked and I had to ask my mom. She was like, go get car insurance. I owned a business with 15 employees and I didn't know where to get car insurance. I'd never done it. I was on hers. (laughs) And I was like, you know what I mean? And I was a finance major and I was selling mortgages and I didn't know what one was. Hey, I got news. I'm I'm 56. And when I get in trouble or my kids ask me a question, I don't have the answer to, I call my mom and dad. (laughs) <laughs> never, never stops. Yeah. But it's amazing though that you have that relationship. And so my goal is to open up those doors. And so that, um, you know, that, that our kids and our, as a parent, you know, all you want to do is help your kids make the best decisions they can. Yeah. So that's what this is about. And, uh, you know, I, I think, um, 
I think what you're doing as well, um, of being able to just further small businesses and help people, um, you know, push these things because they affect families more than anything, you know, uh, money, money for one is, is the number one leading cause of divorce, which is single, I mean, you go right into single parent families and you know, that causes some problems. And, uh, and then also being an entrepreneur just is like gasoline on top of that whole conversation, right? Because you have the stress and it never goes away. And so being able to be kind of a champion of the people with what you guys are doing, the opening things up and showing people that businesses can be big brands with, while being little businesses is pretty awesome. Thank you. Well, I feel so blessed. Uh, not only are we helping people get on the news, we're giving them a platform to invite their own guests on. And, and that to me is just a, such a blessing to my heart to see people come in here, hosting a show, putting a spotlight on others. It's the multiplier effect. Uh, we're, we're able to impact so many other lives because we started this division. I will tell you one secret benefit that I've gotten out of being uh, doing the podcasting and, and, and interviewing people is that um, I would do it even if I didn't have an audience at this point, because I get to pick experts brains and uh, top of industry type of people's brains for, you know, my own for my own uh, lessons and learning and type of things like and that's, uh, I think by doing that, that's one of the benefits that people don't think about. Like, oh, I got to do a show. I got to interview people like this is going to be, no, no, no. You get to. Yes. You just got to change that mindset, you know, where it's like I have to, till I get to. And you, you know, I get to interview people that just expand my knowledge and expand my network and my, uh, my opportunities. You know, I've had some yeah. wonderful opportunities being coming out of, uh, out of podcasting. And I love to, when I get a chance to interview uh, somebody wildly successful, I, I like to ask them about regrets or mistakes and things that they, you know, they, they haven't told somebody. I'll tell you a, a quick story from uh, Phil Romano uh, has been in our studios a few times. He's, he's the king of, of restaurants, uh, Macaroni Grill, Fuddruckers, uh, Eat Seas are some of his products. Uh, anyway, he has a, a story that he tells about how he failed to ask some basic questions before uh, locating in Ma Manhattan. His Eatsy's experience was working so well here in Dallas where you just, you know, hot, fresh food that you grab on your way home. Uh, it was working so well in Dallas that he said, well, why wouldn't this work in Ma Manhattan? So he scouts out a good location, 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 next to Macy's in Manhattan, and he sets up the Eatsy's and it, it, it fails. It just <laughs> bombs. Do you know why it bombed, Cody? He didn't ask a very basic question. He didn't ask, how do New Yorkers uh, eat? How do they get their food? Like if you live in the Bronx, do you eat in the, in the Bronx? Do you get your food in the Bronx? Or do you get it in Manhattan and, get it, and take it on the subway to the Bronx? And had he only asked that question, he would have found out that New Yorkers do not grab food in the city and get on the subway. Or they get on the subway and carry their food with them. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I loved it because of his humility. Here's a yeah. very wildly successful guy who admitted that he didn't do some basic market research and just assumed that New York and Dallas were the same. Yeah, I would say he didn't fail. He just got a lesson. He learned, <laughs> right? So, so, so. Probably a three million dollar lesson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some some lessons cost more than others, but <laughs> we we all get them, right? Um, and so, uh, well, listen, Jeff, I I really appreciate time today. Um, 
you know, we're going to, we're going to follow up and, and do the uh, high impact series here shortly. And, uh, but listen, if people want to find out more about what you do and uh, are interested in either working with you or really just kind of finding out about, you know, what kind of opportunities are out there, um, you know, where, where do they find out more about you? And what go, you're to, doing? go to our website. Our website is uh, realnewspr.com. So not fake news, realnewspr.com. And just shoot us an email or call us. Uh, we'd love to work with you. Man, that's fantastic. Jeff, thank you for what you do in uh, helping small businesses out there. And, uh, you know, keep, keep fighting the good fight on that. Thank you. God bless. You too. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kid's financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker.